You're listening to the Palmetto Report. I'm Taylor James, and we're joined by Outreach Specialist Laura Beth Spear and Dr. Christian Kammerer, Research Curator of Paleontology at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. We're here to discuss their virtual paleontology series, Old News, What's New in Paleontology. Thank you for joining us, Ms. Spear and Dr. Kammerer. I noticed your series dates back to the beginning of January 2019, which is pre-pandemic. How did this series get started, and why did you go with an online format? So um, I already teach virtual programs as part of my outreach position. We teach offsite programs anywhere in North Carolina, and then we connect virtually with people. Um, At the time when we started, we didn't have any, the museum didn't have any kind of live stream programs or, you know, programs where individuals could sign up and come and attend them. Um, And really that kind of format works better for homeschool audiences So Christian had the idea to uh, do some kind of program where we'd be talking about paleontology news, and we thought it'd be a good fit for this kind of homeschool format. I've noticed it's common for people to immediately think of dinosaurs when they see the word paleontology, but knowing that paleontology entails much more than just that, what are some of the topics you discuss during these virtual shows? Uh, Well, I mean, we tried to... cover you know any anything of major interest from paleontological news uh, so it has been pretty heavily weighted towards vertebrate animals um, we've only done a few invertebrate ones and thus far no like plant or microbe based old newses but we try, definitely try to have a diversity of ages and sort of types of creatures represented So how do you decide what goes into these episodes? Do you pre-plan weeks ahead or do you sit down days before and decide what goes into them? Uh, Very much winging it. So usually I, you know, I, as a paleontologist, I have my ear to the ground with what's going on in terms of of paleo news and just over the course of, of the month, try to keep note of what I think are particularly cool new discoveries. And then we do, you know, we rehearse and discuss and uh, Laura Beth will like, tell me things, oh, this is important to uh, focus on, or this is, needs to be explained a little better. Um, but yeah, generally it's only like three or four days before we, uh, we actually record that it is finally decided. Well, so we uh, do the practice run the day before. So I don't know the topic until the day before, but I would agree with what you just said, that it's better to you know, have no idea. <laughs> What types of media or visuals do you use? Early on in the series, you were able to use hands-on models for your videos because they were recorded in person with both of you being able to interact. But with your series now being held through an online video chat format, how have you changed your visuals? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think we've always done mostly slides, like pictures and tried to bring in videos when we can, when it makes sense. Like I know we had a platypus feeding Mm -hmm. because I had no idea what that looked like. And Christian was explaining it to me and I was like, I need to see this in action. But yeah, when we were in person, we had a lot of fun finding toys that would fit into the topic and using those as, as models, because that's kind of what kids do anyway. Right. It's one way that they learn about animals. Also on site, we had access to, you know, specimens from our collections that might be relevant to the, the month's discussion that we could like pull out and show the fossil, um, which is, you know, one of the great benefits of working in a natural history museum that unfortunately just at, at the moment because of the pandemic isn't possible. 
What age groups are popular among these events? Do you get more adults tuning in or school-aged viewers? We really just fine-tuned like how to market it best, I think, this year. Um, this is the first year it's ever been featured on the website as a calendar event, and that's really just because me, I got, you know, figured it out, kind of like, oh, what we need to do. And so um, at first when I would try to market it, it would mostly be at um, teacher conferences. And I got a lot of really young audiences because, you know, little kids love dinosaurs. But we kind of realized that most young kids are not going to be engaged by this. Um, like fourth graders, some of them, if they're really into it, you know, they can get a lot out of it. But now that, you know, it's more accurately marketed, uh, we say that we suggest ages 12 and above, I believe. And we get really people all over the, all over the board. We get um, college-aged kids, a lot of them that are studying paleontology, um, lots of retirees, I've noticed, um, eighth graders, because in North Carolina, it's in their curriculum, and then some fourth grade and second grade as well, because they have some curriculum that covers fossils. What's one of the most exciting things you've discovered or covered in this virtual series? Should we each pick one? Yeah, why, why don't you go ahead, Laura Beth? Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> okay, let me think about it. I need to, like, look at all of them because I know I'm forgetting some of them. I, I really, really enjoyed the dragon-like skull and the dragon-like dragon -like creature that we talked about last month. And I really enjoyed the one that was, like, a, a platypus, the Hupasukian. I thought that was really fun and the case of the headless Hupasukian because it had this bone, the os paradox paradoxum. You got I'm it. Saying that right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's the a bone is only found in platypuses and this extinct creature that's not related at all. So that to me blows my mind. Um thank you for mentioning the uh the the dragon like creature, which is uh Brunetti Morph. Uh, that's also one that I'm fond of just because that's one that I uh, described. Um, but I also, I have enjoyed all the, I think all the ones that are about exceptional preservation in fossils, about not just that it's an interesting creature, but that we have learned a lot more about its biology. So we did one on ichthyosaurs, looking at skin impressions, and also like being able to figure out even the, the chemistry, the biochemistry of it. We did one on fossil penguins, where the fossil penguins wing had been like preserved intact, and you could still see the skin and the bases for the feathers. Um, and then uh, any of the things with, you know, feathered dinosaurs and figuring out dinosaur color as well. So yeah, I think probably the, the exceptional preservation ones have been my favorites. So Dr. Kammerer, I noticed that the series is closed between May and September, as that's the prime time for paleontologists to be out in the field um, actively working. Are you working in the field at this time, or has the pandemic affected this in any way? So yeah, so historically, the summer is like our peak field season. So we'd be going, that's when we're usually on expeditions. Like with the local field work, I can, I can go out at other times of year, indeed in, in North Carolina, some of the best field work I've done is in December when it's like maybe 50 degrees out rather than boiling in the summers. Yeah. So breaking, like using a rock saw in July is not, not advisable. But usually like in the summer, I would be going on expeditions either out west or I do a lot of field work in Southern Africa. And yeah, so that like planned trips such as that were, were canceled this, this past year. And well, probably not, not likely to be traveling internationally this summer, but we do hope to be doing 
local field work again this summer. What do you hope people will learn or gain from this series? Uh, well, for one thing, just a, an appreciation of sort of the, the diversity of extinct life. Um, you know, there's so many weird and wonderful critters out there that like don't make the don't make it into Jurassic Park, don't make it into, you know, uh, books about paleontology for general audiences. Um, but also just that it is a very active and evolving field of research, that there's constantly new stuff coming out, like there's lots of uh, new discoveries being made. Like people will sometimes ask me, oh, have we found all the dinosaurs yet? And I'm like, no, of course not. There's, there's like thousands and thousands uh, still in the ground to be discovered. Um, so yeah, no, no worries on that front. Yeah, and I hope they also just get a better appreciation for the scientific process in general, you know, and talking to someone who is, is doing, actively doing research regularly, but also available to the public once a month is I think really valuable. This last question is just for fun. Um, with many conspiracies floating around about the Earth being flat and the space landing never happening, what do you have to say to people who think dinosaurs are a myth? Oh, I mean, that's, it's difficult just because, you know, it is conspiracy theories have become so deeply rooted in a lot of our society that there are, there are some people who like you will, you will never convince otherwise, like they're too tied to it. Um, and I think it, in at, in some cases, and this is not all or even a majority, can just be a, a waste of time to engage. Like some people are, are they're not acting in, in good faith. Like there's no opportunity for them to, to change their minds. Um, but with a lot of the folks, it just does come down to uh, like lack of experience or like lack of interactions uh, with scientists and with museums. Like there are, at least, you know, when I was growing up, talking to people who didn't like believe in dinosaurs like they very the the argument they made was like they were well okay so there one there's multiple levels of it uh if it's you know the devil put them in the ground to deceive us that's difficult for me to disprove because magical powers are working but a lot of it is you know scientists made them out of plaster and hid them in the ground and that's something that is i think e easier to address if you like see a dig talk with scientists like see preparation happening at the museum, how difficult it is to remove bones from the rock to see the differences between real bone and plaster. Um, just being able to, to engage with people on those topics, I think can, can change minds. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it is, there's like, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so what, what sort of the exact, where they're coming from uh, would depend on how, you know, I try to uh, interact with them and uh, hope, hopefully, you know, uh, have some people thinking dinosaurs are real by the end of the day. Dr. Cameron and Ms. Spear, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. All right, yeah. Cool. Thank you. That was Laura Beth Spear, Outreach Specialist, and Dr. Christian Kammerer, Research Curator of Paleontology at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, talking about their ongoing virtual series, Old News, What's New in Paleontology. I'm Taylor James, and you're listening to the Palmetto Report.